I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed this teaching about the upside down kingdom. It seems that most everything that goes on in the world around us is different than the way Jesus wants us to live in his kingdom. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to get into the word today as we continue to study God's upside down kingdom. Come on, you ready? Yeah, I, I'm a little bit jealous of Jared sitting on the beach videoing that. That's kind of that's kind of cool. Uh, that's okay. I'm going to the lake in a week or so, so I'm excited about that. Uh, well, we are talking, as he said, about the upside down kingdom, the kingdom of God that is so very different than the cultures and the kingdoms of this world, right? And I would encourage you, go back. The last two weeks were kind of the introduction. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, God really spoke to me through those. How about you? Anybody? Uh, so good. So much cool stuff that God is showing us in that. All right? Um, and we looked at the last two weeks... Um, this uh, scripture in Luke that was one of the two times that Jesus preached the same message. Uh, it was preached in Luke, and then today we're going to look at the very beginning of um, the same message that he spoke at a different time, and it's actually found in Matthew. And in Matthew, we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. But he actually preached that same message two different times. The Luke version is a lot shorter, much more concise. The, the uh, Matthew uh, teaching is a little more uh, in-depth. But we're going to look at that. Are you all ready? All right, let's look at the beginning of it, Matthew chapter 5, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the, what? On a mountainside, and he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of that's right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on, and, and he begins every statement from there for multiple verses with, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, blessed are those. And he's talking about this kingdom, this upside-down kingdom that we learned last week that was the handwriting on the wall to the old kingdom saying the new kingdom's coming, right? And then he begins to explain all of these. And each one of them start with the word, what? Everybody say blessed. And we learned that the word blessed there in the original Greek language is actually, write this down, it actually means deeply satisfied. Everybody say deeply satisfied. Blessed. Deeply satisfied. Deeply 
satisfied. And over and over, he says, deeply satisfied are the meek. Deeply satisfied are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Deeply satisfied. And he just keeps pouring this thing on. Deeply satisfied. How many of you would agree that's really what we look for? Right? Oh, come on. Right? That's really what we desire is to be deeply satisfied. And I want you to think about it like this. You may want to write this down. The Beatitudes reveal keys to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of joy. Right? That's what this whole thing does is it really starts to paint a picture of these are some keys to the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of joy. It's not a kingdom of happy. <laughs> it's not a kingdom of happy. See, the great American dream is happy. Oh, come on. It's happy. Did you know the word, the, the, the Latin word that the word happy comes from is actually the word hap? But it is the same root word, hap, is happenings. Happy and happenings have the same root word. Because happy is based on happenings. Am I right? Right? I win the game, I'm happy. Right? I lose the game, I'm not happy, right? My business is doing good, I'm, oh, come on, I'm what? I'm happy. My business starts not doing so good, the economy not doing so good, I get worried, I get anxiety, <laughs> but you know what? Jesus is saying, in the kingdom of God, that shouldn't be true of the people of God. That shouldn't be. It's a kingdom of joy, not a kingdom of happy. And joy and happy have everything to do with the source of where it comes from. Happy comes from happening. Joy <laughs> comes from the Lord. Right? That is the source. I mean, Jesus, I don't know if you've thought about it like this, but Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died on a cross, was buried, came out of that grave alive. Can I get an amen? He came out of that grave alive to forgive our sins and to give us an eternity in heaven. Amen? But how many of you know, that's not all. That's not all. It's not. He came to give us joy, peace, patience, physical healing. Come on. Emotional healing. He actually says, I mean, the prophecies about Jesus was that he was going to come and heal the broken hearted. 
to set the captives free. So to live, he, he said, I came to give you life and life to the, the full. So here's the deal. The kingdom of, his, of God is not out there somewhere. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. Oh, come on. I don't think y'all believe me. The kingdom of God is not out there somewhere in the sweet by and by. Oh, <laughs> come on. The kingdom of heaven is here, right now. Because it's not based on what's happening. Right? It's based on our source. And heaven is going to be like the icing on the cake, right? That means we got cake now, y'all. <laughs> right? It's going to be real nice when he puts icing on it. I like icing, right? It's going to be good. That wasn't even in my notes. That was like all, that was like free, all right? Um <laughs> So many times as people of God, when we look at now, in our life now, we get hung up on, what does God want me to do in my life? We use churchy words like, you know, what's my calling? What's my calling? What does God want me to do? And so often, we sit and do nothing, waiting on Him to show us what to do. And the whole time he's going, I've already shown you what to do. I got a whole book of it. Come on. Right? Right? And I wonder, I, I wrote this down and I said, Lord, is this sacrilegious? I don't think it is. And he's like, no, no, it's not. But I want, I want to challenge you. Y'all do you have your notes, right? I hope you got your notes. Write, write this down. If we intentionally live in his kingdom... We will unintentionally live out his calling. <laughs> Let that soak in a minute. Don't get so hung up on my calling. Let's just live in his kingdom and see what he produces out of it. Come on. Right? Be because I am convinced when we get to heaven... You may go, you may be thinking when you walk into heaven, I don't know if I ever lived it out. I don't know if I ever actually got to the calling. And, and then he starts showing you and you'll be like, oh, wow. I didn't know you were doing that. I, I, I didn't know that that was how you were using that. That's awesome. Right? And, and you're going to see how his kingdom lived out as we engage in, in his kingdom. Well, we read this scripture. I want to point it out one more time. Blessed are the what? Poor, Poor in spirit. We're going to talk about this one for just a few minutes. All right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And here's the thing, I'm not sure you can be blessed, I'm not sure you can, remember what was the definition of blessed? Oh come on, everybody say it, deeply satisfied. 
I'm not sure you can be deeply satisfied if you don't get this first one right. If you're not poor in spirit. Then he lists all these others after that. Deeply satisfied are the poor in spirit. Now, in the Greek, there's two words that are translated as poor. One word is a word that means, like, I don't have enough, right? That's one word that's translated into the English word poor. It's, I don't have enough. I'm poor. I don't have enough to pay my bills. Can I get an amen? Right, right? I'm poor. I don't have enough food to eat. I'm poor. I'm poor. I don't have enough. When you don't have enough, you have a little bit, just not enough. Does that make sense? So that word is, I've got a little bit, but I need more. So I'm poor. The word here is a different word for poor And it literally means, I have nothing at all. I don't even have a little bit. I have nothing. Zero. I have nothing. Blessed are the poor, deeply satisfied are those... Who have nothing in spirit. That's, man, is that not upside down? Seems a little backwards. I have nothing. Deeply satisfied are you when you recognize spiritually. I have nothing on my own. (laughs) Matter of fact, you you might want to say it like this. This might help. Deeply satisfied are those who realize they are completely destitute, utterly helpless without God. Deeply satisfied are those that realize that they are completely destitute, utterly helpless without God. Hmm. One translation says it like this, blessed are those who recognize they are spiritually helpless. See, the problem is, most of us in this room don't realize how poor we really are. We we, we don't. Um, It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The problem is, most of us are middle class in spirit. (laughs) 
Most of us are middle class in spirit. Because we have a little bit. And middle class, they're my people. I love middle class people. I do. Because middle class, I got a little bit, but I work my butt off to get it. Come on, anybody else? Right? I worked hard for what I have. That's middle class. You know? I have a little bit, and I worked hard for what I've got. And that does not work in the kingdom of God. Doesn't. When we carry middle class thinking into the kingdom of God, we start thinking that somehow... I become spiritual, I become more spiritual by what I do. That's middle class thinking. That if if I just work harder, if I give more, if I do right then God owes me a return. And it becomes more about me if I'm not careful. But those that recognize I have nothing at all, not even a little bit, Nothing in me can make me, nothing in Victor can make me godly except the Spirit of God. I've got nothing. I am utterly helpless. Um, See, the problem is when I have a lot or even a little, (laughs) it's hard to recognize where I'm poor. It it really is. Um, I want you to write write this down. All right, some of you, you're not tracking with me yet. All right, just hang on, we'll get there, okay? Um, The poor in spirit realize, I can't do this on my own. I have nothing. The poor in spirit realize, I can't do this on my own. I have nothing in and of myself. I have nothing. I I can't be good enough. I can't work hard enough to gain one inch of spirituality. Are y'all hearing me? It's not, I'm not that, I can't. I can't. Um, I love to take mission trips. Anybody ever been on a mission trip? Anybody? I love taking mission trips. Because when you go on a mission trip, hey, everybody, I feel the tension. Everybody take a breath. It's going to be okay. Take a breath, all right? 
I love going on mission trips. You know, you raise money, you go on a mission trip, and, and you're thinking when you leave here, I love it. I love it. I even hear people say when they're getting ready to go, we're going to go help those poor people. Right? We're going to go down there and we're going to serve those people that are less fortunate than we are. You know? And we go with this idea that we are the, the you know, like riding in on a white horse kind of people. Right? We're here to save the day. And anybody that's ever been on a mission trip, you know that's not what happens. Matter of fact, the truth is we probably just get in their way trying to help them. Am I, am I wrong? I mean, that's the truth. You know, we go down there to try to teach them something, and, we're, and we find out really all we did was get in their way. But what happens is we wind up getting more than we give. Come on. Right? We do. Matter of fact, we wind up meeting people that are truly poor in spirit. And that are truly poor economically. They're destitute. But <laughs> I have been places where there were no groceries on the shelf anywhere. It didn't matter how much money you had. There was nothing to go buy. I've been there. I was in a children's hospital 30 days before Christmas and in a wing with 50 little bitty kids that were not going to live till Christmas. And in the hospital, there was not an aspirin to give these kids for pain. Nothing. Nothing. All you could do is hold them and rock them and try to console them. That was it. But here's what I've learned. <laughs> Those people, they have more joy and hope than most of us in this room. They do. Some of the greatest spiritual giants I've ever met were when I was on some of those trips. I've told this story before, but I was in Nicaragua, and we were be building a feeding center there. And this gentleman comes, and he's working and helping us. And the whole time we're building this feeding center, he is talking about how God has blessed his family with this brand new house. I mean, he is just overjoyed. God has blessed my family. God is so good to me. He gave us a brand new house for my family, for my little boy. He is like, God has blessed me. And all week long, we're digging in the dirt. We're putting concrete posts up and building this feeding center. He is just over and over every time we talk. Did I tell you God gave me a new house, you know? 
You got to, I, I, I'm so excited. My family has a brand new house. And on the last day, I was, I, I, I was talking to him. He said, oh, before you leave, can you come pray and just help me thank God for my brand new house? I was like, yes, I'd love to go pray and bless God and say thank you, Jesus, for your brand new house. And so we walk up and we get to his brand new house. And it was brand new. One room. Dirt floor, tin roof, cardboard on the walls, and one little bed sitting on the ground in the corner that he just in tears, thank God, my, my wife, my baby don't have to sleep on the ground. <laughs> See... He was deeply satisfied. He was blessed. We've jacked up the word blessed. He's deeply satisfied. And can I just tell you, you can be deeply satisfied and be wealthy in the world's eyes. You can be deeply satisfied and have a lot. You can be deeply satisfied and have nothing at all. Because <laughs> that's not our source. Come on. It's not our source. See, it's so hard for us to understand the scripture. Matter of fact, Billy Graham used to say this. Um, in, a, in an interview that I heard, I thought it was so good. He said, he said you know, getting people saved is the easy part. Getting them lost is the hard part. He said, I spend the first 30 minutes of my message getting people lost. Getting people to the place where they understand they need Jesus. He said, and once people understand they need Jesus, <laughs> it's a no-brainer to accept them. Come on, right? Right? Our problem is we don't know how poor we really are. We don't know how to be because we, we that first definition of poor. I got a little bit. Right? I can do a little bit of this on my own. And he's like, no, blessed, deeply satisfied, deeply satisfied. So the last part, the next 15 minutes, I want to help us understand how poor the scripture says we are. Y'all are like, I don't like this stuff. I get it. I, I get it. I get it. All right. Um, we're going to look at Revelation first, and I could have spent the whole message on this one little section of Revelation. I'd encourage you, read the first three chapters of Revelation. The first three chapters were written to the church, right? It was written to different churches, and it points out different things, but it is a revelation or a prophetic revelation even for us today. Can I get an amen? 
right? It wasn't just for them back then. It was the revelation for the modern church. He even says that. And every letter that he wrote to the church today, remember, this wasn't written to lost people. It was written to the church. That he points out different things. And in Revelation chapter 3, it's actually written, the part we're going to read is written to the church at Laodicea. All right? The church at, at Laodicea. And, and I want us to read what Jesus says to the church. All right? This was Jesus speaking, right? And it was written down and look at this. He says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. That you're neither cold nor hot. I, I wish you were either one or the other. I know your deeds. I know your deeds. I know that you have great youth ministries. I know that you have amazing children's ministries. I know that you have amazing worship. I know that you serve your community and you're the most giving people on the planet. But I wish you were either cold are hot. I, I, I know your deeds, they're good. What you do is good. But I wish you were either cold or hot. Can I say this? Because I've heard this preached, I believe, completely out of context. I've heard this scripture preached like it's a heaven and hell scripture. But it's not. You research it yourself. Dig it out. Don't take my word for it. This is not a hot is good and cold is hell and I'd rather you even go to hell. Or, I mean, I, where else did you read that? That Jesus is like, I'd rather you go to hell or go to heaven, but don't try to do both. Have y'all ever heard that preached though? I have, and that's not what this scripture is. Matter of fact, what does he say? He said, I, I wish that you were what? What is it? It's actually either. I don't know. what Either cold or hot. I, I wish you were either one. But quit trying, quit being both. All right? And then he goes on and he explains it. So because you are not hot and you're not cold, you are what? Lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, see, one reason we don't understand this scripture is that we don't live in Laodicea. In Laodicea, they understood this scripture. Because in Laodicea, their only water sources were from springs, from natural springs. There were cold water springs 
to the north and the east of Laodicea, and it was crystal clear, beautiful, clean, cold water, right? And then in the south, there was a hot water spring, and hot water was good to clean, to sterilize, to purify. Are y'all with me? So cold water was refreshing, and it was good. It is good. Nothing wrong with cold water. Cold water is great. It's clean. No junk grows in the cold, cold water. No bacteria grows in the cold, cold water. No amoebas live in the cold, cold water. Are y'all hearing me? No junk grows in the hot, hot water. No amoebas, no algae. But when hot water that was meant to be hot gets lukewarm, it gets room temperature. When cold water that was meant to be cold gets room temperature, what happens? Contaminants start growing. Algae starts growing. Amoebas flourish. Anybody ever had a case of the gringo amoeba blues? Woo! That's a colon cleanse you won't forget. I'm like, woo! I'm serious. But amoebas flourish in lukewarm. Things start getting nasty at lukewarm. People start arguing with each other because they're nasty at lukewarm. So he's saying, if I take in lukewarm... I got to spit it out because lukewarm only going to make you sick. Lukewarm's only going to make you sick. I'm going to spit it out. I'd rather you be cold, be refreshing, a cold cup of water in Jesus' name. Come on. Or I'd rather you be hot sterilizing, purifying. But I don't want junk growing in you at lukewarm. And when the church becomes lukewarm, junk starts growing. Oh, come on. That's why he's like, man, I don't, I don't want that for you. And then look what he says, the very next verse. You say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But do you not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? I hate it when he beats around the bush. <laughs> I hate that, right? <laughs> You think you're rich, but really, 
Look at somebody and say, the good news is, without Jesus, you are wretched. Come on, look, tell them you're wretched without Jesus. Go ahead and tell them. Stink starts growing without Jesus. Just go ahead and tell them that, right? You're poor, blind, you're naked. You need some clothes without Jesus, all right? I mean, isn't that what he said? Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the crossing where we just encourage you. All right? <laughs> so how poor am I? Here's how poor I am. Write this down. Without Jesus, I pay for my own sin. That's how poor I am. I'm so poor in spirit, I cannot pay for my own sin. Well, let me just say this. Without Jesus, I don't want to pay for my own sin. Oh, come on. Right? But without Jesus, I get to pay for my own sin. Remember, middle class says, I, I go to church, I give, I'm a good person, so surely Jesus is going to give me heaven. That's middle class. I do a little bit. I heard, a, I heard a, or I read a, a theologian, he said this, and I had to think about it for a minute. Just, just don't throw rocks yet, all right? Just think about this. Just asking God to forgive you doesn't automatically mean he forgives you. And then he goes on to explain it like this. Just saying, God, I'm sorry I did that doesn't mean he forgave you. Because sin has a debt connected to it. The word forgiveness is a banking word. It's not a spiritual word. We've made it a spiritual word, but it's a banking word. And it means there was a forgiveness of a debt. The debt has been paid. Are y'all hearing me? That's what forgiveness means. That's what it means. So the only way I am forgiven is if I or somebody else pays for the debt. Does that make sense? All right? I mean, sin has a price, and the price has to be paid. Romans says it this way. For the wages of sin is... The payment for sin is what? Death. But let's let's like sing, let's like shout this really loud. Ready? Go. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. <laughs> but but sin equals death. It has a payment. For it, but thanks be to God. Write this down. Jesus offers the gift of salvation, of forgiveness, and eternal life. That's what he offers. He paid 
the debt. He paid my bill because I was so poor spiritually, there's no way I could do it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can I tell you this? Because I hear people say when there's bad people that do bad things, I hear people say things like, well, God's got a special place in hell for that guy. That's not true. It's not true. Hell is not a place God sends bad people. Hell is the place you and I will go if we choose to pay for our own sin. Hell is the place you pay for the sin that you didn't let Jesus pay for. Am I right about that? That's the scripture. That's what it says. Matter of fact, look at this. Ephesians. Are y'all still with me? All right. Ephesians says this. As for you, you were dead, dead in your transgressions and sins uh, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Another translation says deserving of death. But because of his great love for us, God... Who is, everybody say that, who is rich. I am poor spiritually, but he's rich. That he who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been, what? Saved. Man, that ought to make us dance right there. That ought to make us run around the room. Throw our hands in the air. When we sing about the name of Jesus, <laughs> your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. No. You were dead on your way to pay for your own sin. <laughs> and he rescued you. <laughs> ah. So I'm so poor without Jesus, I get to pay for my own sin. Write this down, number two. We're going to roll through these quickly. Without Jesus, we just learn to deal with our pain and our brokenness and our issues. Without Jesus, all we can do is just learn to deal with our junk. Come on. We just learn to deal with it. You know? 
I, I, I'm just born this way, just the way I am. My mama was this way, so I'm this way, you know. My daddy had anger issues. His daddy had anger issues. I got anger issues. I mean, we're Irish. What do you expect, right? I, I mean, you know, it's just normal. I mean, that's just who we are, right? I mean... My mama was abused, and I was abused, and that's just who we are. We just, we just broke. We just learn how to deal with it. Man. Without Jesus, all we can do is put a Band-Aid on our wounds. That's it. That's all we can do. All we can do is learn how to deal with it. Matter of fact, Jeremiah said it like this. They offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. They gave gave assurances of peace when there was no peace. You can do all you want, but the only true healer is Jesus. Come on. I mean, you can do all you want. You know what? Only Jesus can heal our mortal wounds. He's the only one. Without him, I am an insecure 13-year-old boy that can't stand himself and can't read. That's who I am. (laughs) But thanks be to God, he healed my mortal wounds. And I stand back and going, what? This is crazy. This is awesome. I have nothing without him, but by his stripes, I am healed. Now, not in the sweet by and by. Come on. That's the icing. Today we got cake, right? Right? Uh, Write this down. Without Jesus... I'm trying to find or create my own purpose of living. Without Jesus, I'm just trying to make this thing up as I go along. I'm just trying to find my way through this life. I'm trying to find my own purpose, create my own identity. You know, I'm just going to create it. I'm going to come up with it. Without Jesus, I'm so broken, so poor, so... (laughs) utterly impoverished all I can do is create junk anybody else it's the truth it's the truth I honestly don't think you'll ever find true purpose for living without the one that created you it's just not gonna happen Jeremiah he actually says God's got plans for you, and they're good plans. You may have to go through some stuff, but he has plans for hope and for a future. He has plans. And then write this down. Without Jesus, I'm living my life for happiness. And that's just going to fade away. It's just going to fade away. First Peter says it like this, praise be to the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
in his great mercy, he has given us what? New what? Birth into a, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never, never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in the most secure bank on the, in the world, in heaven. So Jesus... I admit, I lived a lot of my spiritual walk living middle class. Trying to work harder, be better. Only to realize I can't. But I thank you, Jesus, that your economy is not like mine. I thank you that when we understand how poor we are spiritually, (laughs) you said that then we can inherit it all because you're rich and our inheritance is in you with your eyes closed I wonder how many of us would just say you know what I, I, I have lived Spiritually middle class. And if that's you, like me, we just need to repent. And say, Jesus, thank you that you did all the work for me. You did it for me to give me an inheritance that's so much more than what I could even understand. Maybe your prayer is, Lord, I want to understand what it is to be poor in spirit. To become completely dependent on you. To become utterly destitute without Jesus. Jesus. 